Hello, hello. Thanks for stopping by for another episode of The Swerve Effect. My name is Kayla Hargett. I'm your host, and I welcome you and your ear holes to another episode. So this podcast is about people that I call the swervers. These are inside personal stories about people that have either swerved off course, the template lifestyle, swerved around something life has thrown at them, or maybe just swerved off of one path to go ahead and follow a dream on another. Okay, but let's get to the most important thing this week's episode. Everybody has been waiting for me to have this guy on. By everybody, I mean my friends. Division real estate manager of Quick Trip, also my husband, Jeff Hargett, is coming on this week to talk about his struggles and challenges and being in relationship with me, a dreamer idealist, and him being the corporate guy. So a discussion about relationships between swervers and non-swervers. And this can honestly relate to anybody, parent and child, sister and sibling, friends and friends. So we're going to be talking about our struggles and challenges and arguments that we've had at the very beginning and still have in being completely different people with two sets of values, two different in ways that fulfill us, two different lifestyles, and the lessons that we've learned and the ways that we've compromised in order to A, not kill each other, but ultimately in the end support each other. Also going to be sharing some of the tips and tricks that we've used personally in our relationship that have helped us as well. So kick up your feet, grab a drink, grab a puppy, sit back, get ready to learn. Jeffrey Todd. Oh, hello, Kayla. Are you ready? Do you have your boxing gloves? Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> what do you got? Okay. Well, first off, I think what we wanted to get across in this podcast was the relationship between the swervers and the non-swervers, or the dreamer, idealist, and the corporate guy. And although we're a husband and wife relationship, I feel like a lot of people could relate to this, whether you're a parent and child or friend, friend, siblings. We're going to be sharing a lot of the challenges, arguments, and struggles that we've had along the way, being two different people with different lifestyles, things that fulfill us differently. And then also sharing some tips and tricks that we've used personally in our lives that have helped us see each other's views better, work better together, and ultimately support each other's happiness in the end. And how to guarantee compromising? Hiring a mediator. Welcome to the other side of the table, Rochelle Perez. Hi. Hi, hello. <laughs> She's going to be our mediator during this Duke out. I've been asking some of the listener questions. <laughs> but first, before we get started, just to like get it out there, we're going to tell you about how we met. Okay. Do you want to tell this love story? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So I worked for a gas station, and I was running the register, and the most beautiful woman I had ever seen walked in. Louise. I was his 730 woman that came in. He said this later. You were my 730. You didn't let me finish. I was going to say the most beautiful woman at 730. (laughs) Okay. Continue. Um, Walked in, and I actually told my clerk, well, not the first time I saw you, Mm -hmm. but once we started talking, there was a day I turned around and told my clerk... I'm going to marry that girl. You know, ladies, what that really translated to, I think one word was substituted with another, but I'll take that. Did you really say that? I swear. You're still going to hold that. Swear. To ten, you did Scout's Honor. Yep. His store, when he first started out with Quick Trip, he was a store manager, and his store was on the way down to this brokerage firm that I worked at downtown St. Louis, and I would always stop off and get coffee there, and at 7.30 in the morning, I'm so happy I was looking fresh, though, enough that early, but I only have one eyeball open, and so I wasn't really paying attention um, at first, but one day, I he just said, like, have a good day, Kayla, 
So I looked up from the counter and this little angel face was there. And it wasn't stalking. She used her credit card all the time. She, she did, still I mean, it was uses a lot card. of credit cards. Okay. <laughs> Most of the retail world knows Kayla. Listen, they care about my opinion. I come in there so much. So yeah, we just made small talk for a bit. Um, he gave me some free coffee, some free Powerball tickets. I'm a bit of a fan of gambling. And then one day... Well, there were some pink flags. I won't call them red flags because they weren't high alerts. They were just the checkbox things. I feel like I had some on your end too. There was a day he asked me what I was going to be doing that weekend. And I was, you know, I told him whatever it was. And I asked him the same thing back. And he's like, oh, I got the kids. And I was like, oh, because I didn't want kids. I knew that. And I didn't want to date a guy that had kids. But he was so sweet that I dumped tube socks. That was a guy that I was dating. And I said that for very strategic reasons. What? Because I didn't want to just hide the kids and then we start oh, yeah. dating Toss and it out there. really get wrapped up and then all of a sudden you find out. So yeah, yeah I threw that comment. And I was like, he's specific. a real man. I've been dating little turds for a while. So I was very excited. <laughs> but yeah, we like went out and hit it off pretty quickly. He claims that he doesn't remember asking me to move in a month later. Did you want to tell him about that? Um, I thought you just stayed over one night because we went out drinking and then a couple nights later you came over and that time you stayed two nights. It's like, then... boy, please. He wanted me to come over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and I stay. don't. I don't. I'm not arguing. It worked <laughs> out well, but. I was asking if there was any apartments closer to you because my lease was coming up. You asked if I wanted to live there with you. Okay. Well, that worked out well. <laughs> oh my God. That's annoying. Total the notebook vibes. Am I right? So anyways, that's the end of our love story, or how it started anyways. You do know a little bit about me already if you did listen to episode one. If not, hit pause, go listen to that, and come back. But to get to know Jeff a little bit more, tell me a little bit about Jeff Hargett. Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in St. Louis, go Cardinals, and my father was a Baptist minister. Uh, My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She would randomly get jobs to help when we needed it financially. When I was in fifth grade, my dad lost his job with the railroad. They moved, and mom and dad made the decision not to move our family to Chicago. But that meant he had to let that job go. And until I was a junior in high school, it, I watched my dad struggle to support our family. He worked a lot of different jobs, whatever it took. I'm two and three jobs at sometimes, mm-hmm. just to make sure that you know we, we had what we needed. We had a roof over our head, we had clothes, and I was old enough to and grew up watching that struggle. And so that was that really shaped me and my work ethic and gave me an appreciation for having a stable job. So then when I went off to school, I had plans of being a physical therapist. I was going to major in physical therapy, minor in sports medicine, and go back to St. Louis and work with the Cardinals. But one thing led to another, and I had a child. One thing, you just like breathe through. One thing led to another. Um, <laughs> Insert how family. How much detail would you like? <laughs> Insert oh, okay. family, no. Yes. So suddenly I had to support a family. Yeah. And I still continued school, but that's when I started Quick Trip. The starting pay was attractive and I could work overnights while I was going to school. So I did that for a couple of years to the point I was going to have to quit Quick Trip um, because I was going to have to do the physical therapist assistant program and the pay was just not going to support my family. And I was at a real crossroads. I had been with Quick Trip a couple of years and was making really good money working at a gas station. And I had my quarter life crisis thinking, 
is this what I'm going to do forever? But Quick Trip is so unfair because they just throw money at you and <laughs> it sucks you in. Such a major problem. <laughs> Holla! So you can go to any Quick Trip store and you're going to see name tags with all of the seniority on them. And almost everybody's story is about the same. They all started working here for whatever reason. And 20 years later, they've made a career out of this company. So with that, did you feel like you were giving up on the dream of being a physical therapist? No, because I changed my priorities. I wasn't just looking out for myself and what I wanted to do anymore. I was looking at how can I support this family that I'm suddenly in charge of. <laughs> well, what a great opportunity to bring in another listener question. Wait, not another. The first one. Mediator, Rochelle. Well, our first listener question comes from Keisha. What does success feel like for you? You go first. Well, that's kind of perfect to what I was just saying because for me, success is really stability. I like feeling safe. And I like knowing that I'm providing safety and yeah. stability for my family. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in a game show. <laughs> um, my definition would be when you get to a point where you know yourself, trust yourself, like in your capabilities and who you are, confident in who you are, and then know your value and then turn around and use that in some way as a gift to the rest of the world. Do you, contribution somehow. So having said that, do you feel like you have reached that success level that you want? Yeah, just recently, probably. Okay, I agree. At I was curious. 35, it takes sometimes a long time, I think different for everyone, but I think I finally reached that, I guess within the last couple of years. Yeah, I see that. And for me, when I was going through my quarter-life crisis and not sure I wanted to work at a gas station forever, there was a couple of years where I really struggled and thought, man, what else, what could I do? There's almost a prestige when you're younger, you should have a certain job, yeah. you know, the, the stereotypical career, I should be yeah. in an office or something like that. But there was a point when I really evaluated, you know, like I said, for me, stability. And Quick Trip provided all of that. And there was a point where I felt successful as a store manager with Quick Trip. If to this day I was still a store manager with Quick Trip, I would have no regrets. Yeah. Um, because of the stability, the benefits package, the retirement package, the pay package all brought me and was able to allow me to support my family with. And that is kind of maybe the point that made you realize that physical therapy thing maybe wasn't necessarily a dream. I'm not sure if it made me realize it wasn't a dream, but it made me realize what's important to me. Just like that question. Yeah. What is my, how do I measure success? Right. And for me, it wasn't anything to do with a dream. It was how am I going to best provide? Yeah. And I was doing that. So you swerve. <laughs> oh, man. When we first started dating, Jeff Hargett, when did you first realize that you were dealing with a free-spirited dreamer, lady? Oh, that was early on. As we started to get to know each other, you would tell me about how you were going to be a teacher and you were going to school for nursing and you had already done a nursing assistant job and you had done this job and this job and then you were working in a brokerage firm. And I just thought, she's 24. I had a lot of stuff on my mind, a lot of ideas to <laughs> try out. 
<laughs> so I could I could tell you had some indecision, but at the time I really thought it was just you learning what you were going to do with right. your life. Yeah, you know I I really had no idea of the swerver lifestyle. Yeah, the hummingbirds. <laughs> you know, to me that was just people that couldn't make up their mind, and I didn't understand any of that. P.S. If you're wondering what he means by hummingbird, it's because it's this Elizabeth Gilbert Super Soul Sunday talk about passion and all of that. You should watch it. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you. Just a side note on a little glimpse in Kayla's life. We had to get rid of cable because our DVR had 180 hours of Super Soul Sunday episodes. It would not record my I own shows. I was going through some independent self-help therapy. <laughs> she wouldn't even let me delete that. Lots of TED Talks. So anyway, back to when we first started dating and I found out all of the jobs you had or were going <laughs> to have, I just didn't understand. And I didn't realize that it was really a growth process for you. I thought you were just willy-nilly and your decision-making. And honestly, so to bring it to this podcast, something that was very relevant for me was I was worried that you would outgrow me in all of your growth process, that you were going to swerve away from me. Yeah. That was a big concern for me. Just because you felt like I couldn't stick to one thing? Yeah. I thought you were this young woman that was still figuring out who she was and what she wanted to do. You had gotten divorced. You told me you were married for a week and gotten divorced. <laughs> it was three weeks. Side note, I know, three weeks. Okay, but if you want to know about the story, go check out episode one. It has to do with baloney and a douchebag comment. So yeah, I was I was a little apprehensive, but I didn't realize what I was dealing with yet. And then there was a point where, looking back, I actually did swerve. Skirt, swerve, I know. You had told me you went into a bar with a few names of cities written on pieces of paper and a hat and had people pull out the names of some cities, and Boston came up the most. So you were going to move to Boston. How I, that's how I roll. <laughs> and there was a transfer option for me on the table to Dallas. This is six months into dating. Yeah. It was really soon, and I wasn't sure I was ready for that yet with the kids. I had always waited to transfer because I wanted to wait until the kids were older, and Savannah was still just a little baby. So suddenly I had this decision to make, swerve with you and just work it out with the kids logistically or let you fly off to Boston. So we went to Dallas, <laughs> and then all the struggles really started. Before that, in, in St. Louis, it was... Some concern with your possible swerve. What concern? Whether you're going to swerve away from me. Oh. Were you ever going to yeah. land on a career? You know, this girl's just figuring out who she is. When we got to Dallas, I really started to see it wasn't just you growing. It was like an internal struggle in you. Well, I was 27, and I think a lot of people that age can relate to the... You have like a little bit of a quarter-life crisis. And so at that point, you're already starting to compare yourself to people that you know around the same age. People you went to high school or college with and you're like should I be doing that you know they've got professions or something and all settled in and you start questioning yourself and the choices that you've made should I have done this or that and then it didn't help that I had also applied to 72 jobs down there and didn't get a single one I was either overqualified or not qualified enough, obviously, without a full degree. I was in and out of college for about two and a half years. So my big issue was that I was being double hit. I was still on that whole thought process that you were supposed to pick one thing. And I couldn't because I liked 50,000 different things. And then also feeling rejected by all of these jobs. I didn't feel like I was good enough because I didn't have 
a degree. And then also the pressure from you, because I knew that you were starting to stress out. We were in this new city and I, I don't, I feel like I was very open-minded and willing to work anywhere to do what I needed to do to just get things started down there. But I also have a little bit of a threshold on what I'm willing to do because I don't, it's just not within me to go somewhere and be freaking miserable every single day. I will quit four and a half seconds later. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and that was, for me, I thought you just didn't care enough to suck it up. Because what was fulfilling to me, which is stability, was not the same fulfillment for you, which was finding what was your passion. Right. And or just where I wasn't feeling miserable right, every day. Right. Or something tolerable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I say it like that, it sounds like you're definitely right. <laughs> to the point where you almost sent me away. Did I? Don't act like you don't remember. You I were so tell excited. The whole world you were this. so excited to tell this story. Before we even started recording, he's like, I'm about to stress you out. <laughs> there was a point <laughs> when I called a friend and asked him if he would be willing to transfer to Dallas. And if so, I might ship Kayla back to St. Louis. Like a dog? <laughs> I think that was like our biggest or our first point of growth was figuring each other out on a level of like fulfillment. What he valued and felt was most important and like what I valued and felt uh, was most important. It was eye-opening to finally have the conversation about what fulfillment really meant to each of us. But it brings us to um, our next listener question, Mediator. Which is from Zaina Renee. Having different lifestyles. What kind of compromises have you two had to make for one another? Kayla, you go first this time. I will start this one. Like I said, this was like our first point where we really started to learn how to compromise with each other. Granted, we are only, what, six months into our relationship at this point. But after my 72 jobs, I think I compromised. Do you remember? No. This is no offense. I loved this company. I couldn't handle the job. I stuck with, I was an admin assistant for six years. I took a job that Jeff was my referral. And I sucked it up and I did it because at the end of the day, when you're like married, you are still a team and you, although I did have a threshold, we still had bills to pay. So I feel like even as a dreamer, an idealist or whatever, you still have to be respectful and responsible for survival. So I did end up taking a position, doing something that I wasn't super stoked about, that I did keep for six years until the point where I wanted to die slowly or felt like I was slowly dying. So I did feel like that was a big compromise, but I did it in a way to where I could then start to lead into something else. Like I did it for a long enough time to get us settled, caught back up, and then start planning for how I'm going to get out of there responsibly. For me, I don't know if if I made individual compromises that I can think of. It was really more of compromising my beliefs because I was so set in my beliefs. I thought my way was the right way. That's how things are done. You follow the straight path till you're done working. (laughs) To the Um, beach at 65. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was really learning how to listen and understand your point of view. So you taught me that, and I learned to compromise, I guess, what I always thought was the right way to do things. Right, and I could say, like, the next couple years, we probably had some good, some more arguments that gradually turned into conversations, but trying to figure out how to support one another and their views. Because I remember during some of those times, too, I would kind of, I wasn't open-minded. I was very, and I was also younger, very stuck in my mindset, 
And so I would look at a corporate guy and been like, what a settler. Boring. Hang on. That you were... (laughs) We're called settlers? (laughs) Yeah, man. My people call your people settlers. Oh, (laughs) But no, it was like viewed as that, oh, they must be miserable, you know, working that day-to-day nine-to-five or whatever, which I have obviously grown out of because I feel like there's no right or wrong way. Like I've already said, it's all dependent on the story that you have, why you do what you do. So I started having more sit-down conversations with him and understanding why retirement was so important to him, trying to figure out a way because I do make a quarter of what he makes and which ways I can kind of contribute. But compromising, if I want to start up a new project or I have a new idea at 2.30 in the morning and I'm crafting, if it's some sort of bigger investment, I would come to him first and be like, what do you think about this? I would be respectful and bring him into the idea so that he also felt comfortable financially. But this is before we split bank accounts. Yes. Yeah, if I could list a tool for how a swerver and a non-swerver can stay married and be very happy in the house (laughs) it is get separate bank accounts because for me you know my fulfillment and my why is financial stability and for you you target clearance are gonna die with your last penny rolling out of your hand right Put me up to a well. It's my token to heaven. So (laughs) click in my last penny. Boom. Done. Nailed it. I have no kids. I have no ones. Who am I going to leave it to? Right. My dog. I hear you. I've learned to live with that. Oh, she only counts cheats though. (laughs) Oh. But yeah, I highly, I would at least consider it unless it would, you know, really complicate things and you'd have to switch all your bills or whatever, but at least have maybe one bank account that all the bill money goes to and then everything else is your own. Because in my mindset, I'm very independent anyways. I'm kind of stubborn when it comes to feeling like I'm going to be a burden, although we're like a team. I appreciate Jeff's support and I don't think I, I wouldn't be where I am today without the support that he's offered but I would feel like guilty sometimes like do you, is, there, is he gonna feel like I'm taking advantage of him or taking him for granted and just riding his coattails and feeling judged by everyone else so for me it made me feel better having my own bank account paying my own little bills my car my phone credit cards and then that way if I wanted to start a project or a side business or a hustle I would still talk to him about it but I would have my own money to invest in it. Well, and for me, I always had a big internal struggle because in my wedding vows, I wrote that I would always support you and I would always be on your side. So as you were taking on all of these adventures, I had this internal struggle because I wanted to support you because I love you and because I'm your husband. And the flip side of the coin, we were in a tight place sometimes some of the months especially when we were making two house payments it took forever to sell that arnold house so when we decided to split bank accounts it allowed me to not kill me have full control over the finances and we prorated the bills you paid for your things i paid for the house and utilities and since i made more anyway but it it gave you the freedom to do your thing and it kind of it, for me, it was like you were going to be regulated because I knew you weren't going to spend money you didn't have. <laughs> My worry before was you were going to spend all of our right. house money. It's like you're an addict out gambling, trying new things. <laughs> oh, my God. So when did you realize, was there a moment then that you can remember after all of that? Because we started to have conversations and starting to learn how each other's minds work. Was there a moment where you finally understood 
finally got me or finally understood that I wasn't taking advantage, that this sure. was just... I mean, relieving the financial stress and taking that out of the argument, it was easier to have conversations. And that, that's when I could really listen to you because I wasn't clouded <laughs> by the money. So I could listen to what you were saying and really understand the drive. And then it was a huge growing process for me because I started seeing you do all these crazy things and being really successful. And it kind of blew me away that no matter what you tried, all of a sudden you were really good at it. Dollar make me holla. I do nothing half-ass. And that's my, my thing too is like I may, you know, want to try all these different things, but I don't just do it to douche around. I I will put 100% effort into it to make it the best that it can be. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I at least I'm going to put all of my heart, you know, into it. I think the biggest thing that helped us was that strength finders test that we took. I would suggest taking that as well because it it comes back, it's like a personality test and it'll come back with five of your strengths and he read some of mine and he was like, "Oh, like now I get you because it talked about how I'm the type of person that has to constantly be challenged. I can't do the same thing every single day or I go ape crazy. Well, and the really cool thing about that test, and it's something we use in our leadership in my company, and it not only shows you your strengths and what you're good at, but it shows you how those strengths can be a detriment if you're not cautious. Like my number one strength is empathy. And as a leader, that's great. I can empathize and I can really relate to employees, but I have to be very cautious because I can let things go too far. And when there's sometimes I have to lay the law down. So it teaches you to really use your strengths and watch how those strengths can can hurt you. Yeah, and that allowed us to have more, I think, conversations versus arguments. Because at first when you're arguing, you're just trying to get... I mean, I'm very passionate about the way my brain works. He's very passionate about the way his brain works. And so at first when you're arguing, we're just trying to convince the other person and prove that you are correct. And that just doesn't work. I think after that test, we were actually able to sit down and have conversations and ask each other questions. So why do you feel that's important how would you prepare in that situation what is your what do you want your five-year plan to look like and and maybe that they're there it maybe they start off a little bit different but by the end you kind of have sort of the same goal and you can make a plan that works for each person individually that they're willing to stick to that at the end of it all you you can kind of come to that meeting point well and for me a big deal was I was stepping out of you know me being right about everything and I was reading articles that I thought related to you and it like the strength finders I had done that test years ago Mm -hmm. but I thought it would be really cool to see your results and so I sent it to you and any articles I would come across, I was always sending those to you and <laughs> I was listening to some TED Talks to try to understand you better Yeah. and to help you understand you. Because there was a point where you came to San Antonio, it was like relationship changing for us when you came down there and... Side note, after Dallas, we got transferred to Kansas City And then six months later, they sort of transferred him to San Antonio to live there for about a year while I stayed up in Kansas City. So I would go and visit him off and on. Right. And you came down one weekend and completely broke down. And I was shell-shocked. We hadn't seen each other in three weeks or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. like within an hour of you being there, you were just sobbing and said you just didn't understand what was wrong with you, why you kept quitting things, and why you 
always wanted to do something new and you were worried that you were going to sabotage us. And that was that was a big eye-opener for me because I realized, it, and, and I had been growing and I had been learning, but that really showed me that you cared. You really cared and you you were having an internal struggle learning about why you Yeah, because not only do you have like society's pressure on you that you're supposed to live a certain way and do these things in a certain order, but I also have, you are the, the you know, the corporate guy too that I feel like I can't let down and I'm supposed to do what you do, stick to a job for 25 years. And this was, at this time period, we're talking, this was what, three, two years ago? Three years ago? And that was, I know I kind of already touched on it a little bit, but that's where we first moved to Kansas City was a few years ago. And when I started doing a lot of like strolling down the self-help aisle and a lot of TED Talks and trying to figure out a different perspective, I felt like I, you know, I was so miserable and didn't understand why I couldn't choose one thing. And I was very frustrated with that. I'm like, there's got to be some other path. And so I finally did come across that Elizabeth Gilbert talk that I had mentioned earlier. And that's what completely freed me that I didn't have to choose one thing. I was like, holy crap. Like, I can actually do all sorts of different things. And there's nothing freaking wrong with that. I still need to be responsible and pay my bills on time-ish. Time-ish. I get it in within the 30 days before it hits my credit. That I don't like paying things. I don't like paying things. I like the target clearance aisle. Did we already I don't like talk about frustrations that the other person has? Oh, did you have any frustrations <laughs> in dealing with a swerver? Was this one of them? I think through all of the challenges that we have both faced with each other and compromises that we've had to make, he never for the past 10 years said, no, you don't need to be doing this. This is not going to be anything. This is not important. You're just dreaming. You're you know, not taking me serious or anything. If I was up at 2.30 in the morning crafting, he would be like, cool. You know, like as long as I paid for it and put the work into it, he didn't care at all what I ever did. He's just been supportive of my creativity. Yeah, it's really come down to communication and listening to each other. And then I really learned a lot about you when I was listening to those TED Talks. And sometimes I would send you something. I would say, ooh, this seems like it's really relevant. What What do you think? Sometimes you would tell me, nah, that one really didn't apply. So I did a lot of research myself just to understand what you were going through. And I read your strength finders and was legit trying to understand your mindset, which is why I also wanted to do this podcast was as an appreciation of what I've learned from you. It's opened a lot of new perspective for me and hoping that everybody could hear and see and learn that everyone has a story behind what fulfills them. I, my path is a straight line. Yours is a little windy, so I had to do some extra reading, uh-huh. but <laughs> it has been very exciting because I've been on that adventure and I've seen you get to do all these cool things so it was worth it we both have you know him being 48 and me 35 we're still young pups but I think even at any age that doesn't mean that you know everything that I think there's space and plenty of room to grow and to continue to learn and we still learn about each other's thoughts and ideas and just what we continue to want out of life but that brings us to our final listener question mediator rochelle and this one comes from amrino it's mandy Reno. yeah (laughs) what things as a couple do you have in common that make all the differences worth it travel yeah i think this kind of whether you live different lifestyles or not i think it still comes down to chemistry and really just and friendship experiencing new things yeah travel we kind of all like to do the same thing we all 
Like, we're all doing this together. <laughs> all of a sudden, we're pulling in this family. <laughs> Us two like to do a lot of the similar things. We play darts. We like to hike around with, like, the ocean. We both love to travel. He loves my two squirrel dogs. Yeah. <laughs> They're so, part of the family. Yeah. I think it's just like at the end of the day, too, looking at the big picture, do all those little, if you can communicate well, those differences, as major as they may seem, are kind of small if you're open minded to compromise and respect each other to where everything else just, you know, makes up for that. Yeah. I agree. Oh, that's it. He just shrugged his shoulders. What else do you like to do with me? <laughs> Wait. Travel. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> This is where it gets weird. Do you have any final thoughts or tips, Jeff Hargett, in your advice, whether this be parent to child or husband to wife? I think communication is key. You have to really listen. So what I had to learn also, especially with you because you're so bullheaded, is Close me. communication isn't starting a conversation and then just me telling you what's right. <laughs> It's hearing your point of view and really listening to it. And sometimes it's going to be an argument. And that's not always a bad thing as long as you love each other. It's productive. Yeah. And you realize there's two points of view, two strong personalities, and... Two lives before you came together. Right. It's about sticking to that, working through the emotion to really get to the communication part again. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, we've been together long enough. We still have our little arguments, but I think what's even better is we we have a lot of conversation and we really hear each other out. Yeah, not like run away. we laugh a lot. We do. That's very important. But when you're conversating to not have an expectation that you're going to come or end on the same page at the very end, like you may end up just agreeing to disagree, but not to run away from the conversation when you don't feel like you've forced them to agree with you. And one more thing (laughs) that I have. One more thing. And it's going to seem very out of character for me, but it's been a big part of my learning curve through all of this is I almost feel like I have, you and I have, kind of a mantra. And for me, when I was in San Antonio and I was learning and you were having a really hard time and that kind of rolled into when you were doing the biological testing or genetic testing to find your bio dad, Mm -hmm. my kind of mantra, and I even got my tattoos, that I would be your sword and shield, meaning I would protect you and I would fight for you. And I really held on to that. And And that gave me a lot of pride in helping you. And then it morphed into what you have on your arm now. I do. I have um, the hummingbird, which comes from Elizabeth Gilbert's talk that she gave. I have a little quote and it says, you keep me, or no, it says, I keep you wild, you keep me safe. So I provide him like the wild side of life and the risks and the fun and the swerves. And he keeps me safe and grounded and learning and focused on future and i'm gonna get the same one just reversed but not with the birdie oh yeah no i don't want a hummingbird (laughs) so at the root of it all it is love each other and do whatever it takes to remind yourself of that every day yeah if you love someone then they are a priority for you and whether you're making compromises or not every day show them that you love them and respect them yes this has been totes fun 
Yeah, thanks so much for coming along with your journey of telling your story. Thanks for keeping this civil. Yeah, woo! I don't know. I shoved two pencils in his ass, but it's it's been pretty good. (laughs) Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks everyone. Yeah. Yay! High five in the middle, real loud. Woo! Swerve on. (laughs) 